It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Dun, dun. We've got prospects for watching, foreign last names for botching. The world juniors are here. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, that's a banger. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track and the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That's Matt. Uh, Matt, is Alex coming tonight? <laughs> uh, no, he's not. Did you not see his message? No. Yeah. Let's see. Let's All right. Up. Okay. No. Well, spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. So no Alex tonight. We knew he was working, and there might be a conflict that he might not be able to make it tonight. But uh, I, th- I thought there was a chance, so and didn't check check before now. So there you go. Alex not going to be here tonight, but in his place. We are very, very excited to welcome another special guest onto the show tonight, and that is none other than Hurricanes PA announcer, Wade Menzer. Wade, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and uh, talk a little shop with us here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So, kind of the way we always start when we have guests on, especially people that work like for the Canes and stuff, is we just want to hear a little bit about your path to getting where you are. Um, just to you know, shed a little light to our followers and fans of the team that maybe don't get to see that side. So why don't you go ahead and take us through that? What was your journey like to get to work for the Carolina Hurricanes as the PA announcer? Uh, It's quite a journey. um, And it goes all the way back. I grew up in a small town in rural Southern Virginia in the middle of tobacco country. Really no exposure to hockey at all. I was a baseball fan growing up. And hockey was always that thing that you'd occasionally see on ESPN as you were flipping channels to get to a baseball game. Um. I remember I was in high school and one day in the early 90s, a kid shows up in my Spanish class wearing a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey. And we were all just like, what's that? And he's like, it's hockey. Like, we don't know what that is. Um, So certainly did not grow up a fan of the sport. Uh, Went to college at William & Mary and most of my friends there were all from the Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area all big Washington Capitals fans. And I kind of started to pick up an appreciation for the sport through them. I went with a bunch of them to see a Capitals preseason game in Landover one time, uh, played a little, uh, you know, deck hockey with some of the guys. So started kind of understanding the sport a little bit. My then girlfriend, now wife moved down in 2000 and she and I grew up in the same town. So I was like, let's go see a hockey game. She's like, what's hockey? That's stupid. And I took her to like three Canes games and she was hooked. Um, So we both became fans of the team then. In 99, also, I needed a hobby when I moved to Raleigh. So I started performing improv at this place called Comedy Sports, which is now known as Comedy Works in Raleigh. And it's a competitive improv show with a sports theme. So there's a red team, a blue team, a referee, and an announcer who do the improv show. It's like, whose line is anyway if it was played as a sport? And so I did the announcer character for for years. Um, That was kind of my primary character in the show. So through that, I built up an announcer character that was funny, I guess, and, and, you know, something that I knew how to do. About 10 years ago or so, I started doing ring announcing for a local professional wrestling group. So, you know, grew up in the tobacco fields of Virginia, was a pro wrestling fan growing up. Um, got a chance to step between the ropes and do wrestling introductions and work the crowd. And so I learned how to kind of interact with a live crowd that way. 
Um, I started playing hockey about 15 years ago, um, decided to get some gear and learn how to play the sport. So it's been playing for a little while. And then in the fall of 2014, I answered a call on Twitter from the NC State club team that said, hey, we need a PA announcer and a DJ at our hockey games. Does anyone want to do it? So I wrote to him and said, you know, I, I play the sport. I've been announcing for a while. You know, I can help you out. So I did NC State hockey for that year and learned kind of how to work a game from a PA announcer perspective at ice level. So all of that kind of came came together in the late summer, early fall of 2015 when the Canes had tryouts for their new PA announcer position. And I tried out and I guess they liked liked it because I got the job. Um, so, uh, you know, it started from learning how to be a public speaker in middle school and high school in Virginia, through becoming a fan of the team, through learning how to be spontaneous and funny on the mic, how to work a crowd, how the sport goes, and hopefully all those things together kind of make me who I am. Awesome. I do just want to add on. Uh, I actually, I don't even know if you know that I played for state just a few years ago and we did always really enjoy having you on the mic. I did, okay. Well, I use the play term loosely because I had been like not playing for like six years and that team was loaded. Uh, yeah. But I was on the roster. Team. <laughs> okay, nice. No, I love doing state. Um, you know, state games are super fun. The fans are fun. The hockey is really exciting. Oh, yeah. And I have a lot, a uh, lot longer leash there than I do at the NHL level. So I get to, <laughs> that's where I get to try out new stuff. Like see, right. see if there's anything that works. Oh, yeah. Well, I was actually going to ask, you know, um, you, you mentioned, you know, kind of doing improv. Um, does that kind of has that kind of helped you influence maybe different players, goal calls? Or I guess, how do you go about, you know, deciding how you want to call a player's name? Yeah. So, you know, I I, I lean pretty heavily for the player names on the on the pro wrestling side of the house, because, you know, in professional wrestling, the ring introduction is the big thing. There's usually a big over-the-top introduction of the player uh, or the participant in that in the wrestler in that case. And I try a lot of my style is probably influenced by you know the old uh, WWF announcer Howard Finkel, who was legendary there for years. Like that sort of style, you know, kind of goes into play there. Where the improv training comes in is just really kind of reading the crowd. Did they like what I did? Did they not like what I did? Could I make it bigger? Could I make it different? Did they like that better? So there's kind of a little give and take over the course of some period of time as I figure out, you know, where can I go bigger? Where do people seem to be enjoying it? What did I try that completely didn't go right and I shouldn't do it again? What did I try that completely didn't go right, and but it still has some potential if I try it a different way? So being able to kind of read and react quickly is where a lot of that improv training comes in. You know, my first year or two on the mic, the game production staff was always like, oh my God, we got to, we got to change something in the script. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I can, <laughs> I can figure this out. I got it. guys. Uh, <laughs> I got it. It's fine. Um, and so now they're just like, go say something. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I had my tryout game against uh, for the Canes Penguins in 2015, honestly, throughout the game, I was feeling pretty good throughout the whole tryout because, you know, I've done improv long enough that I trust myself. It's kind of hard to shake me. Um, this is less complicated in a lot of ways than the stuff I do at State because at State, I'm also playing the music and I'm also interacting with the officials with the canes, I'm talking, I've, I've got a script. I've got things that I know I need to say, and I say them. So it's a little bit more of a laid back level of responsibility. Now I have to do, do it well every time. And I know the sport cause I play it and I'd spent a year talking to officials and figuring out what goes on. I mean, I certainly still made a lot of mistakes, but they weren't serious mistakes. So that improv training and kind of everything else that led up to it really did give me the confidence that I could do the job. You mentioned, you know, you obviously lean more on the pro wrestling side of things. So I have to ask now, which player on the Canes, if you had the opportunity, would you announce as the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever shall be? Uh, on the Canes right now, that's probably Aho, just because he's got such a flawless game everywhere. And I think, I think he quietly carries that confidence in the same way that Bret Hart did. Like, you know, Bret, Bret wasn't over the top 
uh, you know, he was strident, but it was really kind of that self-confidence that came through that let him say that. And, uh, and I think Aho would be the one there. So is such Shawn Michaels without all the, you know, like I hate Brett or Brett Hart thing. Oh, that's, he could be. Um, although if we still had Yanni Hockenpah, he would probably be, uh, the, the uh, heartbreak kid. HBK. <laughs> it's a good right, looking well. fellow. <laughs> I'm totally lost here. Wrestling's not my thing. Anyway. <laughs> Brandon's just like, I know Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. Just smile and wave. Right. Okay, so I was trying to figure out how I really wanted to formulate this question. Um, you were talking about how, like, things have kind of progressed for you. Like, when you first got there, it was very on script, and they've, you know, kind of gotten to know you, and now they just let you do your thing, basically. Um, along those lines, like, what else from this job has kind of, like, changed for you? Because, like, all right, the, the, where I'm coming at with, or where I'm coming from with this, I, I don't think I've ever seen a team's announcer, and I could be wrong because I'm not as plugged into other teams as I am the Hurricanes, but I've never seen a team's announcer as like, as you're you're a huge part of the Hurricanes fan base, whether that's like Twitter or just like interactive. Like, I feel like you're such a well-known name and like people really turn to you a lot. You know, you, I just feel like you're a big name in the scene. So, you know, what are some things like that that maybe you didn't see coming? And do you think that's just like a, product of the social media world we live in and twitter and stuff like that or maybe it's just your personality and your improv and your funniness oh yeah i mean i often i often tell people like if there's something below a z level celebrity maybe i'm that um (laughs) the the concept that anybody knows who i am is still pretty baffling to me honestly (laughs) um and you know i i've been on twitter for since like oh nine or something like i was an early adopter because i work in tech like most of the PA guys in the league are in radio, voice acting, that sort of stuff. I'm a software developer by trade. So, you know, I, I come at it, come at the job with a little bit of a different approach than folks who do voice acting or whatever as kind of their primary thing. And, you know, it took me a while to realize, honestly, that anyone actually was paying attention to me. Um Except for the game production staff, because if I made a mistake, they'd be in my ear like, don't do that again. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, on the, on, I try to be, I try to take, take the role as being part of the fan ambassador group pretty seriously. You know, I, I do what I can to do what I can. And, you know, my, my sphere of influence is fairly small. Um, you know, I've got like 8,000 people following me on Twitter, which, you know, is more than 10. But it's less than, you know, the like half million or whatever the Canes have. So I'm, I'm always cognizant that for the people who know me, you know, maybe not everybody does. So I really shouldn't kind of get a big ego about that. But I'm trying, you know, I, I try to find little ways to make the fan experience fun. Because I know, you know, for me, when I was a fan, um, anytime you got some degree of interaction or acknowledgement from the people you are, you know, the team you're a fan of, it, it gives you a little, little hit of happiness and that's cool. So I try to do that. Um, and it took me a few years to realize that, you know, the stuff I was doing was catching on. Like people would occasionally send me videos from the crowd of me doing a goal call and announcing players' names and everybody in the crowd saying the names along with me exactly like I say them. And that's, weird uh but also pretty humbling uh because down in the box where i used to be before covid is just kind of a dull roar like i can't really pick out any individual stuff but if you send me a video from the crowd and everyone's saying tavo teravine in the same way that i say it like i'm like wow that, that's that's a lot of people saying that so you know being able to to feel like i i've become a part of people's memories that you know there there is a number of people out there greater than zero i think who, when they think about Kane's games, they hear my voice. And that's, you know, humbling, I think, to to think that some kids growing up and when they think about hockey, they're going to think about me doing my, you know, dumb bits on the mic or, you know, saying names in a certain way. And that's going to be a, a memory for them. And I, I try to take that seriously. Um, I don't take myself seriously, but I take my work seriously. And I hope I'm uh, doing a good job. Somebody out there is going to remember the Plinko noises. Blink, 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 blink. Exactly. Uh, no, thank you. You did answer that question very well. And I, I'm glad you did because I, I feel like I was having a hard time getting out. 
an effective, coherent way of formulating that question. But uh, no, that was spot on. But, you know, I, I just think it's funny because like I granted and again, I think it may be because of the social media thing and, you know, that we do have a lot of interaction with you on there. But I don't know any other announcer the Hurricanes have had before you. Like, I don't know their names. I don't know anything about them. But Wade, like, again, you're just you, you are a very big part of the Hurricanes community and we appreciate the work you do. It, it, it's weird for whatever reason, this is my seventh season with the team and, you know, hopefully, hopefully seventh of many, but you never know. It's been that long. Seven seasons. Yeah. 2015, 16. Oh my God. One. Well, especially wow. now with COVID, that's just wiping years. I know. Like it's true. that's the hardest thing to believe is like, like that it's been seven years. Wow. Seven seasons. Yeah. It's finished my sixth year going into my seventh. And for whatever reason this year, more so than in, in any years, any year past, people have like been coming up to me and telling me how much they enjoy what I do and how much they appreciate it. And I'm just kind of like, what? Why are you perceiving me? Like, <laughs> what, what, what did I do? Am I in trouble? Um, but I don't. For whatever reason, it seems like this year, and maybe it's kind of we all have a little bit more gratitude after the the experience we've been through over the last couple of years. I don't know, but it, you know, it's. It, I appreciate it very much. Uh, it's just seems like this year um, people are people inside and outside the organization are kind of going out of their way to say nice things about me. And I don't really know how to process that. And, you know, and this is also just kind of like throwing like, like spitball in here, like Kane's games now are just a very enjoyable experience, both on the ice and off the ice. Right. So people have those positive memories associated with everything about the team now. That's true. Which did yeah, I mean, which was you know, not probably good. the case when you started. <laughs> yeah, right. went through some a lot of bad hockey for a few years there, and that eighteen nineteen season really kind of kicked things into high gear. Which you know you you had a magical season there in eighteen nineteen, and then you start the nineteen twenty season, and then everything in the world breaks. Um, but the Canes are still good and the Canes are still putting good entertaining hockey on there. And, you know, it's gone, it's taken away for a little while. You go up into a bubble, then you have an empty building, which is weird to announce in, let me assure you. But as they started letting people back into the building, I think everyone who was there had a bigger appreciation for the fact that they were there and there was a little bit of normalcy and you could be out in the world again, doing something you enjoy. And I feel like that's really kind of carried over, through this season as well, where, you know, attendance is great. Um, and the hockey that's being put on the ice is great, but there seems to be a little extra of, you know, we're not going to take this for granted anymore. We're going to cheer a little bit louder. We're going to hang out a little bit longer. And, you know, that feels different to me. It's been a really good environment just from being there. Like, I don't know, everybody's just happy and it's really cool to see. Like the Canes bring a lot of people together and there's something, there's something to be said about that, you know? So before we wrap up, we're going to get you out of here pretty quick. Don't want to hold you too long and all, you know, holiday season. I'm sure you got plenty of stuff to do with the family. Um, so this is kind of a two parts. <laughs> he held up his glass of scotch, but you know, we won't tell. Um, <laughs> this is kind of a two-parter. One, I want to know what the, your absolute favorite part of your job as the PA announcer is. And two, I want to know what your favorite specific moment since you've taken that job uh, like team related, um, what was the best moment as you were, you know, behind the box or in the box, if you want to call it, um, in, inside in the, the box, box or the metaphorical box. <laughs> right. Um, you know, my favorite part of the job we've touched on earlier, but it's just knowing that the stuff I'm doing is, is going to be a part of people's memories. Like, you know, parents and kids growing up, going to hockey games, you know, they're going to, somewhere have a memory of me, you know, doing my thing that I just do and don't really think about too much um, as something that's going to be very important to them. And that is, is something that means a lot to me. And people have come up to me and say, you know, my, my kid's in college now, but you know, when he was in high school, we've come to Canes games and we always love listening to you, you know, do your goal calls, do the Canes win, like all that sort of stuff. And, you know, that people uh saying the names along with me um you know people supporting me when weird things happen uh on the mic and you know i uh i just have my soul leaving my body because i missed the one minute no (laughs) (laughs) 
or I show up on the Tonight Show of all things. Like you know, I lead a real weird life, and and I don't take any of it Wait. for granted. That's when why did that, we was, didn't even ask was about that for... race Moretz and all that. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then yep. you you were on ESPN. I was on I, Sports or... Center uh, for, right. for scoring a goal in the 2016 alumni game and calling my own goal on the mic. That's right. Um, in, in you know, in this business, no one is is guaranteed a long career. Um, you know, new new game production could come in and decide they want a different sound to the game and. You know, that's the end of my run. Um, the, the guys who've been doing it for 20, 30 years are few and far between. And that's just kind of the nature of the business. But, you know, knowing that, I show up to every game not knowing if I'm ever going to get another one. And, you know, I try to try to give my best every single game and enjoy it and just experience the joy of being there and doing it. And if I'm loving what I'm doing, then, you know, my goal is that, Everyone else will love what I'm doing and I'll do it as long as they'll keep letting me in the building. Um, and as far as kind of my favorite moments, uh, there are probably two on different ends of the spectrum. One just kind of like, you know, almost bringing you to tears and one that was just silly. So kind of the biggest moment is the Canes clinching the playoffs for the first time in a decade on home ice and the big reveal of, you know, Montreal's loss. So the Canes are in the playoffs and, and Peter Morozik's, you know, yes, yes, we are in. Um, and being able to say to a – and not even hear myself because it was so loud, instead of my normal Canes win, to say Canes clinch playoffs. And that just t- 10 years of pain just you know, <laughs> flowing out of people as, as that monkey's finally off our back. Um, that is probably the most powerful moment to just that, – that whole kind of 10 minutes of – you know, winning a game that'll put you in the playoffs, getting the help you needed, the crowd realizing, the players realizing, and being able to cap it off is, was uh, was certainly a very big moment. And then on kind of the fun and silly side, because it was one of one of the earlier times that I kind of got to stretch off the script a little bit and realize that I could do it without you know there being consequences. Is when um, Justin Falk scored the third goal of the game uh, on a power play, which unlocked both like Papa John's uh, Bojangles and Moe's. And I got to say, you know, uh, you know, Justin Falk, you know, Hurricanes goal, blah, blah, blah. That's a fat trick. (laughs) So I got to announce the fat trick live in the, in the audience. I was like, are they going to yell at me for doing that? And they didn't, it was funny. Um, so that and I got to go on like Adam Gold and talk about it the next day, and it was it was it was cool. And that but that was like one of the first times that I kind of pushed it a little bit, uh, but with good intentions to make it entertaining. And I think that's kind of allowed me to do some of the other stuff that I've done in you know subsequent years to to try to make the show fun and entertaining. I Great still stuff. wish they would have let you call the doctor every time. I know I got it got it once. Um, fun story there. Uh, so. During, uh, so Derek Ryan on the team for a couple of years and, you know, his nickname was the doctor DR. And so he scored a goal one time and I was like, you know, Caroline Hurricanes goal scored by number, whatever he was wearing, the doctor, Derek Ryan. I remember that. And immediately my air game production is like, don't do that. <laughs> okay, cool. I tried. I tried. Um, so a couple months after the fact, the Canes had their Canes bash fundraiser uh, where the players and fans can go and hobnob and stuff. And so I'm there, um, you know, just kind of off to the side with my wife, not not doing a whole lot. But and at one point, I see Derek Ryan kind of off by himself. So I go up to him and I was like, hey, uh, Derek, I'm Wade. I'm the team's PA announcer. He's like, oh, hey, how you doing? It's nice to meet you. And I was like, hey, I got a question for you. Um, and so a little bit of a weird question. Like, you players on the bench, like when I say stuff, do you hear it or are you just like, so locked into the game at that moment that it's all background noise. Like it just kind of, you know, there's sound, but you're not paying attention because you're so dialed into the game. He's like, no, we hear you. It's like, all right. Uh, follow-up question. Um, <laughs> did you hear me when I called you the doctor, Derek Ryan, when you scored that goal? He's like, yeah, I heard you. He's like, the guys on the bench were giving it to me pretty good with that. I thought it was funny though. I was like, all right, cool. Now I know. Now I know. <laughs> You can't get away with anything here now. No, I know. It's like, oh man. 
uh, they hear me. They actually listen to what I say. Uh, we'd have been better off without that knowledge. And uh, at the Canes Bash right before COVID hit, it was actually you know the last thing that happened before the road trip that ended the season. Um, I was at the Canes Bash doing my thing and uh, ran across uh, Dougie Hamilton. And I was a big Dougie Hamilton fan, still am. Um, very glad he was on the team. Uh, really appreciate the years he spent here. Glad the boy got paid. Um, no hard feelings, but you know I'm a big Dougie Hamilton fan. We do miss that guy here. So, so I go up to him, and you know he's like going around saying hi to fans or whatever. And I wait for like a nice break where the where the fans are. I go up to him and like, uh, hey Dougie, I'm Wade. I'm the team's pay announcer. And he's like, I know who you are. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Uh, hi. Uh, so yeah, that was fun. <laughs> well, I mean, they do see hi, you. you know, they go to the Dougie goes to the box once in a while. He took he had his share of minor penalties. He was sitting right next to you. Yeah, uh, again, I, I am shocked when anyone knows who I am. So, yeah, you and Spencer uh, especially probably the players. on a first name basis. The amount of times he's been to the box. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm you know, you're tight. <laughs> Uh, I, I will say that you know during the during the empty arena days after right after COVID when there were games happening but there were no fans there and I didn't really have anything to do other than announce goals and penalties because there was no show there were no fans right um, so the, I'd announce the team to coming out for warmups because that's just part of the show and then I would go down like to glass level and just watch warmups because I don't really I never really got a chance to do that I'm always like prepping the script and figuring out you know what reads are coming up but you know for those 10 15 games whatever it was after I announced them after warmups I could just go down and watch hockey players take warmups and and you know as a fan of the sport and as a player that's that's really fun and Svetch would always every game as I'm sitting there kind of by the glass take time to like give me a wave or a nod or acknowledge me. And, and I, and, you know, that's just the kind of guy he is like a genuinely good, caring person. And, you know, like, who am I? Absolutely nobody, but you know, I, I'm part of the team to some degree and he would take the time to acknowledge that. And I, and I do appreciate it. He seems like a really nice guy. All right. So last question uh, I think that we have for you here is, you know, it's obviously the holiday season. If there's one thing that you could get this Carolina Hurricanes team for Christmas, it can be whatever. It can be an actual gift. It can be, you know, like top six help. It can be, you know, anything. You have free reign over this. What would your gift be and why? Uh, well, clearly the obvious answer is the Stanley Cup. So I'm not going to go there. Um, I mean, but, you, you can know, go there. I can go there, but that, we'll take that it. everyone will go there. Um, you know, I think what I would, what the thing I would give them is, uh, just a, a deep understanding of how much the team means to this area. Cause you know, none of them are from here, um, you know, either from North Carolina or, you know, quite often from the U S they're here on a stop in their career. And hopefully it's a long stop for a lot of them. Um, you know, every, the ice looks the same in every building. Right. Um, but you know, for for a market like this, I, I really do feel like, and Matt, you touched on that earlier, the, the bond with the team and the fans really does mean something to the fans. And, you know, I, I know the players appreciate it, but if I could, you know, give the team any one gift, it's really just kind of that deep knowledge of how much what they do to, to bring the community together, to give us something to cheer for in a couple of years that have not really had a whole lot to cheer for. And you know, how much we want them to succeed as, as people and as players, uh, you know, just kind of a, a brief glimpse into the fact that they've got so many people here who uh, are pulling for them and really care about them. I think that would be a really good gift because I've had a couple of glimpses of that as well. And it means a lot to me. And, you know, I think if, if that gift was bestowed upon them, like, you know, what you're doing here, yeah, it's hockey, it's a job, it's a sport. Um, you know, but it's, it's a lot more than that for a lot of us on the big level. And, you know, just that knowledge, I think would be a great gift. The Canes are the only thing that can bring Duke state and Carolina fans all together. I know. Right. It's incredible. Like that's the one thing we can agree on. Yeah. And you know, for, for this region, which, you know, I've seen it change a lot in the 20 years that I've been here. Um, you know, I moved here in 99, Fayetteville street was still an empty pedestrian mall. There was, you know, nobody living in downtown Durham. 
Um, you know, it was it was a very different place. And this area has grown tremendously. And it's, you know, become a destination for a lot of people who want to move to a good part of the country to move to. And having something like that here that everyone, you know, it's the one pro team that everyone can kind of glom onto unless you're a soccer fan and you, you know, you're pulling for NCFC or the courage. But this is, you know, a thing that in the winter, everybody can get behind, whether you're, you know, you were born in Fuquay or whether you just moved here from Detroit, like we can all come to a hockey game and, and have fun. And that's, I think, something that the region really, uh, really needs. Well, I think that's about all we got for you, Wade. Um, we want to thank you again very, very much for jumping on here with us. Uh, happy holidays to you and yours. Um, hope it's a great one. All right. Thanks for having me and uh, enjoy your holidays and let's go Canes. Thank you, buddy. Take it easy. See ya. So thanks again to Wade for uh, coming by. Before we jump into anything else, let's take a minute and get a quick word from DraftKings. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back. And, and we're back. All right. So huge thanks again to Wade for stopping by. It was a lot of fun to chat with him and uh, meet the man behind the mic a little bit. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, so now we are, as of recording, uh, four days away from the start of the world juniors uh we do have pre-tournament games beginning tomorrow but uh we are going to do our actual world juniors preview now and we're going to do a little fun little draft here so make sure you stick around for that too um we'll explain that a little bit more once we get to it i know we like kind of previewed to the preview that's even what i entitled it if i'm not mistaken last week um about our world juniors coverage uh obviously it's a big time for us we're very excited about this you know mr kane's prospects and future canes god rest his soul wherever he may be you know, they're into it. And, I, and me too. I, you know, I, I know I don't really kind of have the prospect status of these two guys, but I do love watching them too. And, uh, and as I've said a few times, I really do love the world juniors. It's probably my favorite tournament of any hockey tournament, just having all these kids. Um, when we had Walt on a few weeks ago, you know, he was kind of talking about how, you know, he doesn't like the way three on three in the NHL has gone because it's become too, you know, strategic. P- people play too slow. It's not the skill game that kind of it once was when they, when they first kind of came out with three on three. And he's kind of said that world juniors, the world juniors are the opposite because there's like no practice time together. You just send these kids out there and it's all about their skill. You know, they they don't, they're not really familiar with each other. You don't really have time to implement these like diverse complex systems. You just let these star kids, most of whom have been drafted highly into NHL teams, especially when you talk about, you know, the Canada's and the U.S.'s, you just let them go play. And I think that was a really good way uh, to put it. I, I think that's, part of what makes it so much fun. It's just kind of like a game of pond hockey and uh, you get to really see what these kids are made of. So we're going to go through the two uh, groups, group A and group B, just give you a little bit of a preview of the 10 teams we're going to see at this year's world juniors. Uh, Talk about some of our favorites. And then we're going to get into our little hurricanes prospects draft at the end. (laughs) Starting on group A um well who do you like here what sticks out to you Matt I mean Canada's a a wagon every year right Right. um it's it's a big year for Canada I think you know Finland without Aturati is still a very good team but they're gonna miss his presence dearly so um I I mean this isn't a very tough group for Canada I'm not gonna lie (laughs) um You've got Finland, the Czech Republic, Germany, and Austria, right? So nobody really all that great, in all honesty. Um, I think it's really going to be a battle between Canada and Finland. The Czech Republic could surprise. I like a handful of their guys, but, you know, Canada's just going to be 
I mean, it's the group of death for the other four teams just because Canada's there, I think, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Canada's a pretty heavy favorite. Um, I like Finland. I, I do. It's a lot of skill on that team. Um, you know, you mentioned Roddy's not going to be there. That's like the only like big bruising kind of center they had on that team. Everybody else is like a smaller finesse player. Well, except for Samuel Hellenius, that is the big towering six foot six center who uh, has actually been playing a little bit with Vili Koivinen in the pre-tournament practices and stuff. So they might be on a line together. So that'll be kind of fun to watch. He was very good for them last year. Um, but that's provides a lot of opportunities for, you know, a lot of fun, skilled plays to be made. Uh, and we can see, you know, how guys like Jaime Salmi and definitely Koivinen will fit into that. Um, I think Koivinen has a great chance to be a standout player at this tournament. Um, I really think he could be, you know, one of the breakout players that kind of maybe puts his name on the map a little bit of this tournament. Uh, you know, how high I am on, on that kid. He might be my favorite of the hurricanes, 2021 draft picks. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's Canada's to lose for sure. I, I feel bad for Germany, uh, not having Paterka and, um, Reichel. Yeah. It's that, that team could have been pretty good. Um, but not having those two guys is definitely a big blow. Uh, they do return a few guys in the back end, but I don't think they're going to be able to sniff Finland and definitely not Canada. Um, Germany is such like their hockey program is actually looking a lot booming. better. It's, it's, it's a huge up era next to Germany. I, I think I mentioned that a little bit last week. Um, I mean, we've never seen, you know, high end NHL talent come out of Germany as, as consistently as it is right now, like not even close. So it's really impressive what they've done with that, like the youth programs and stuff over there to start, you know, really turning out, churning out high end talent. Yeah, I agree. And we see guys like, uh, you know, more insider right now, uh, Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, there's German players are really starting. There's another young player I'm forgetting. Oh, it's uh, Tim Stutzel. Yeah. Um, you know, those Stutzel and uh, Sider are both, what, 19 and 20, I think. So, so. and there's another way of coming behind them. You know, I just mentioned Paterka and Reichel and um, uh, Florian Elias is a center that's going to be on Germany's team this year that he looks like a pretty promising young player. Um, so again, just props to Germany for what they're kind of building over there. And perhaps within the next few years, if they continue this upward trajectory, they might be a team that can start to push some of the Finlands or Sweden's mm-hmm. or whoever. Man, if they had... Um... If they had Paterka and Reichel, they could have. I, I think they could have contended against uh, Czechia, which is the Czech Republic. They've they've asked in the IHF to be called. I'm gonna try. It's Czechia. I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not like. I haven't heard that actually. Yeah, the, it was like yesterday. I think um, that they decided to do that. So you know, props to them. Uh, I mean, you know, if it's accurate, then that's that's a big deal, right? You know, they they want their country to be represented correctly. Um, but yeah, I mean, Canada's just—they're good, man. Yeah, I think Canada will win that pretty easily. Um, but I think there is a whole lot more intrigue into Group B, so why don't we go ahead and jump on over there? Um, obviously, this is the United States. We've got Sweden, we've got Russia, and we've got Switzerland. And Slovakia. I forgot Slovakia for a second. U.S., Sweden, Russia, Slovakia, and Switzerland. And as I said to Matt, when I first saw that group written out, poor Switzerland. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a pretty damn good group. Slovakia is not great right now. There's a couple of decent pieces there. But the U.S., Sweden, and Russia over there is going to make for some tough sledding there. Um, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> all right. So, and, and I said last week that Sweden was kind of like my dark horse pick to win the entire, win gold. Um, so what are your thoughts? Who's your favorite to come out of uh, group B here? Man, this is the real group of death because for sure you have four good teams in this. And yes, I'm including the Slovaks because Slovakia has some really good players this year. They do. They have Samuel Konasko, who's really good. Uh, Kromiak and Demek are both fine, but they've got Dalibor Dvorsky, Philip Mesar and Yuri Slavkovsky, who are three phenomenal prospects for this year's draft. You've got Simon Nemich. Holy crap. On the back end. That's, that's another huge one. They've got a player born in 2005 wow. uh, on their defense as one of their. Trying to make me feel old. 
he's one of their 10 defensemen, which is insane. I mean, it's not a team that I could see, you know, meddling, but it's, it's a much better Slovak team than we've seen recently. Do you think they're a team that could say, make a big impact because let's say they knock off somebody they knock off somebody like a United States or a Sweden and mess with seeding and give them a tougher matchup in the quarterfinals. I don't know. Sorry, guys, because thing. you can't tell by my voice. I'm still insanely sick, by the way. So if I, <laughs> if I cough, I've been trying to mute myself every time I cough and I'll try to edit out the ones that I didn't. But <laughs> Usually with some of these international teams, the players have at least played together at some level. With the Slovaks, I mean, all three of their goalies play in the U.S., only three of their 10 defensemen play in Slovakia. And then you've got one, two, three, four, five of their forwards playing in Slovakia. And that's kind of been the theme forever, where a lot of players that play in Slovakia jump ship and go play for better programs. Right. Um. A lot of them go to Finland. A lot of them go to North America. I mean, both, all three of their drafted players are in the CHL right now. Um, but this is a team, I mean, you've got draft eligible talent. I forgot uh, Joseph William Kmech or Kmech. I, I don't know how to pronounce Slovakian names. I'm sorry. Also Four draft eligible. For botching. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so, you know. Exactly. So it's just one of those things where it's a young team, which is why I don't think they're going to be like phenomenal. This is a team that could be really good next year, though. Um, assuming some of their drafted players don't make the NHL. But I think I think this could be a very interesting Slovakian team. Not sure if I'm ready to call them a meddling team yet, though. Yeah. Do you think the U.S.? I... And, and this is another thing that I kind of talked about last week, but I, I just don't think this year's U.S. team is quite as good as a lot of them have been lately. And I'm not sure they have what it takes to defend their title as a gold medalist. They're in like the worst possible group to do it in. Yeah, I'll say that. Like, you know, having to match up against both Russia and Sweden in the first round is a tall task. I'm not going to lie. I mean, like we kind of said last week, their biggest question is goaltending. I don't know if Drew Camesso is the guy. Um, or, you know, he's their guy. Like He's going to be their starter, but I don't know if he's good enough, if that makes any sense. Right. And you add um, on to that, like, they don't have the offense they had last year. Like, Zegras is gone. Um Kaliev was on the team. I mean, there was a bunch of like big time scorers on that team. And there's, there's still some good high end picks. You got Matty Veneers. You got, <laughs> you've got Chaz Lucid, Lucid, <laughs> Sasha passed the job. Yeah. Maxi there's there's talent on the team, but I don't think those guys are the same caliber of prospects. Certainly not as Egress. No. I mean, if Egress was absolutely ridiculous at last year's uh, World Juniors, what did he have? Like 18 points? It was something ridiculous. Um, I don't see anybody on this USA team coming close. I see this being a very deep team, though. But <clears throat> as always, my biggest issue with the way the USA builds their teams is there's a little too much uh, we're trying to build the miracle on ice team and fill our bottom six with, you know, eh, players. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Miracle on ice was cool. But that you're you're joking yourself if that if you're saying that was a good hockey team. Sorry, it was a miracle trying. for a reason, right? <laughs> right. Like the fact that beating Russia is considered a miracle means that it was not a good team. They won making it a miracle. Right. So I don't know, it's man. Just right. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is a team that I don't know if they medal. If they do, probably no higher than bronze, but, you know. Yeah. They could surprise. Who who knows? You know, Jake Sanderson could carry this team very easily. Scott Morrow could have a big tournament. Scott Morrow will have a big – no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going <laughs> to, you know. 
I always keep expectations low, so I'm going to do that here. Yeah. All right. Well, we talked about the U.S. a little bit. We talked about Sweden kind of at length last week because you know I, I I still think they're possibly the most complete team here in terms of tons of firepower up front, pretty good experienced blue line, and one of the best goaltenders in the tournament. And yes, but lost that. But let's talk a little bit more about the most well represented team of any at the World Juniors, Team Russia. Uh, obviously, three players there. You got Guslistov, uh, Vasily Ponomarev, and um, Alexander Passion. Um, what kind of roles do you see those three guys playing? And how do you see Russia's overall outlook for the tournament? I see all three of these players in their middle six. Yeah. Um, I thought Guslistov might end up on the fourth line, but the more I've like, me kinda... too. He's the only player. Oh, he and Passion, I could both see having limited roles at this tournament. But then again, Russia's really weird, right? So yeah. their younger players aren't gonna get as much playing time, but they only have one o four, and it's Wonder Kid uh, Matt right. Mitchkov. Yeah, Mitchkov. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him. By the way, he is. I mean. The fact that we get to watch Mitchkov and Bedard at this year's and more than likely next year's tournaments too is just so they're definitely gonna what do you mean more than likely? Unless they're injured, I guess, but yeah, like no shot you know next year too. There's no like those are two guys that in two years are going to be in the NHL and they're 16 years old right now. They'll be drafted and they'll be in the NHL, I'd say. They'll be drafted, but Mitchkov has three years left on his deal after his oh really. After his draft year? Oh, yeah. Wow. Pepe Mitchkov is signed until 2026. What? Yep. That's going to make for a really interesting draft discussion because yes, it who is. else is going to be pushed up that you're going to get immediate returns from? Can a lot you... of general managers, man, like, you know, especially if they're drafting high, they're probably on the hot seat. Can so you pull him him from Russia? and try and convince him to break his KHL contract or right. do you wait until 2026 knowing that at that point in time you're getting a legitimate superstar that's yeah. NHL ready that's true but the way he scores man I mean he's just he's unbelievable around the net like already he's unbelievable for, period yeah I mean. he's, yeah he's just good like <laughs> Very, very complete elite goal scorer I, that I think could step into the NHL two years from now. I didn't even think about the whole KHL contract part of it, but yeah, that's the that's the thing with drafting Russian players. And I mean, oh, right. you know, the the reason why you're not seeing any North Americans here. I mean, the Russian media and coaches said it was because they felt like they had built the best team. No, it's to punish yeah. those players for playing in right. North America because they left. Yeah, yeah, like. Russian, the reason we signed, I, I think I said this last week, we signed Vasily Ponomaryov really early last year because we knew he would return to Russia after the QMJHL season more than likely because what else is he going to do in the QMJHL, you know? Right. And it's better to sign him now and loan him. That way he can only stay for a year and then bring him back. Same with Kachikov, right? Yeah. Kept you've signed him under contract. Yeah. He's burning. You're burning one of his two years on his ELC, but otherwise he's just going to stay in Russia. Right. So there's never going to be a transfer agreement, which is why, I mean, it sucks, right? It sucks that there's a very real possibility that we won't be seeing Mitchkov until 2026. Yeah. Which is absurd. Right. Cause he, I mean, that kid could have been the first or second overall pick. Probably second behind Bedard. But uh, man, I don't know. It's both, close. Both it's, it's of close. us. We we could be talking about. I mean, I don't think it's gonna like, either player is gonna be like McDavid level good, but it's gonna be like McDavid versus Eichel, where either way you're getting a franchise player. Right. Who was it before? That? We haven't had that since. Who was the Matthews draft? Who was the same draft as Matthews again? Lining Puliarvi Dubois. There wasn't somebody else. So I thought it was like another one-two punch with. All right, maybe I'm just... It was supposed to be line A, but line A just is kind of eh, at the NHL level now. Yeah. Okay, I guess that was it. 2017, it was Patrick Heischer. 2018, it was Dalin Svechnikov. Right. 
19, it was Hughes and Kako, who we thought would be closer, but Hughes is way better than Kako. Yeah, dude, and I was on the Kako train. I yeah. thought he was going to be such a – I thought he was like another Barkov, basically. And he's been really good defensively. But, like, I just yeah. – I don't understand what – I don't know what the Rangers are doing because Lafreniere still hasn't done shit either. Well, Byfield's not in the NHL either. Well, he's hurt. Oh, yeah, he was hurt. That's yeah, right. He's, he's, like, still just trying to work back. That's right. Anyway, I know we're kind of getting sidetracked here. Yeah, I mean, Russia's going to be good. I think Sweden I, – I, I don't think this – what could pull this Russian team into, like, the gold medal discussion is Askarov. Yeah. And the fact that a lot of their guys are playing against men, which is an advantage to playing against U20 players. So, I don't know. That's the only thing – I think this is this is a group where it wouldn't surprise me if USA finished third, but it also wouldn't surprise me if the USA finished first, just because I feel like all three of those teams are pretty close. Yeah. All right. So final thing here, and then we'll jump into our draft. Um, gold, silver, bronze. Who you got? Uh, for gold, I'm going Canada, beating Sweden. Okay. With Russia finishing finishing third uh yeah <laughs> oh, with russia beating finland for okay the gold, or for the bronze yeah i i really could very easily just say i totally agree uh i'm gonna go sweden though i'm gonna have sweden knocking off canada um so for gold i'm gonna have sweden silver i'm gonna have canada and for bronze i'm gonna go for the u.s of finland <laughs> I don't, I, one of those two teams, I don't know. That's going to be my bronze medal game. Uh, I'll say Finland edges out the U S to uh, take that one home. You just want Toivon in the middle. I do. I do. Yep. So Brandon, before we jump into our draft though, with the NHL not coming into the Olympics this year, you realize that means we could be seeing Alexander Nikishin as an Olympian, right? Oh, beautiful. No, I, I didn't even think about that, but... Uh, He's played for the national team twice this year. Could definitely go for that. It could happen. Would give me a reason to watch the Olympics. I'd tune into every game, no matter what time it was. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to do something fun on the podcast. Alex is missing out because he's not here this week. So, uh, once again, cyberbully him. We are going to draft eight players from the world juniors for the hurricanes, so eight canes prospects and whichever team Brandon or myself has the most amount of points at the end of the world juniors, something will happen. You all can choose what happens. Nothing too embarrassing. And, you know, maybe money will be involved. I don't know. We're, we're kind of workshopping it as we go here. But so four players each. So I choose first overall. It was a cool Greek coin. It had like a flaming like goblet on the back. It was pretty cool. Matt cheated. I did. So I get the first overall pick between the 10 Carolina Hurricanes prospects. Don't you do, do it. I, do I want to be a dick? Don't you do it. First overall, my pick, Vasily Ponomarov. Good pick. That's what I was gonna take second if you took my boy first. I think I think it bad. makes the most. Yeah, it makes the most sense. I he's, think he he was good last year, very good last year, and he was basically yeah. on a fourth line role. Uh, scored three goals in the seven games, I believe, um, or yeah. six games, however many it was. Um, but he looked good, looked very very good, and I think he'll have a bigger role this year. And with it, the points should kind of come with it. Yep. So uh, don't hate that pick at all. Um, I'm do just I gonna need, write yours in? All yeah. Right, do yeah, I, I need to? Do I need to say anything here, Billy Quaverton? <laughs> easy i appreciate you doing that buddy you're, you're such a sweetheart um, i i thought about it but then i was like you know i think that this is the better pick okay um second overall or third overall i guess is tougher though yeah it gets tough after this it's it's really kind of we've got sealy we've got sealy morrow Nystrom, Lestov, Passion, Nystrom, Nebeck, and Hema Salmi. 
and Quap, but yeah, we're not gonna no pick Quap, by the way. No, I know. And one player is um, out too. We've already kind of discussed who that is, and but we'll explain why at the end. Yeah, I'm like really thinking hard about this. I'm gonna go with Zion Nybeck. Oh, okay, interesting. It's a bold pick. It is a bold pick. But, I mean, it's another kid that's super talented. And yes. if things break, excuse me, if they break right, uh, could I could easily see him having a big tournament. Yep. All right. Fourth overall, who's Brandon Stanley picking? <sighs> I mean, like you said, this is where it gets tough. Um, it, it's weird because we're, I mean, we're doing this off points, right? But yes. the two guys that I'm really looking at are both defensemen. Um, oh. We got three defensemen, so who are you picking? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Finland's blue line's a little bit old. I, I don't – a little bit on the older side. Haimasami is the youngest player on that team. I don't know how big of a role he's going to have this year. Yep. But I think Moro will probably be getting power play time. And I think Nystrom has a chance to be in their Sweden's top four, and you know how much I like them. So it's tough between those two. Um, I, I'm going to go with Moro because uh, I, I think he has a chance to put up a lot of points on that power play. And I, I just think his game is suited for the World Juniors environment. So I'm going to take Scott Moro at fourth. That's a great pick. I'm going to pick Nikita Guslistov. Okay. I was thinking about going there with my next pick, so. Nice, nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> Should I go defense back-to-back picks? or <laughs> I'm not telling um, you which way to go. No, I know. Um, I'm going to take passion. Um, I don't know. We, we talked about this earlier. I have no idea what Rush is going to do. I have no idea what his role is going to be. I have no idea if he's going to be dressed. But he's a lot like Nebeck in that it's really you don't have to squint super hard to see him have a huge impact and racking up points at this tournament. So uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to take Zion. Er, <laughs> Zion back. I'm going to take uh, Alexander Passion here, and uh, yeah, feel good about that one. All right, I'm taking Alexi Himasalmi with okay. my pick. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, then to finish it out, I'm taking Yoel Nystrom. Um, and I mentioned this a minute ago. That means Ronan Seely is left out. Uh, if this was like an even playing field and they were all going to get the same time playing time, I guarantee you that wouldn't have happened. Um, yeah. But Seeley just is on a stacked Canada defense. Right. He's on Canada's blue line. So, which naturally means he's going to outscore every single guy we have. Here, <laughs> right. We said something. Right. We, we left him out. So now he's going to like go off probably. But uh, we decided that he's. Which is kind of interesting when you think about it, because there's a lot of guys we could have said that for that we did pick. You know, I just said, I don't know if Passion's going to get any ice time. Yeah, with my first two picks, I tried to pick players that I knew were going to get minutes. Right. Like Panamaryov, I know is going to get top time with, and at least power play time with Russia. I'd like to think that Zion will as well. Guslistov, I think, could have a really good tournament. I'm not sure about points, though, and that's I, I picked him over Passion because I think his game, Russia, will need a defensive, a player who can at least play defense. And Himasalmi, if if we're just going based off of points, then I think Himasalmi's better offensively than Nystrom. So you know, why not? Yeah, that's fair. I still don't know if Moro is going to get uh, ice time, though. That's my biggest uh, concern. Right. And he was practicing with one of the power play units, so I, I did put a lot of stock into that. But I just feel like the way he's come on so strong lately at the NCAA level. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's... I, I just I think there's room for him back there. Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't love the U.S.'s blue line. There's some good pieces on the U.S. blue line, especially up top. You got Jake Sanderson's probably going to be their number one. But I, I think there's opportunities for offensive starts and power play time and stuff like that for Scott Morrow. So I, I think he's going to end up putting up some points. Um, and I like my team. I mean, yeah. start off with and I, I, you know. You drafted I, it. I would it, hope that you like it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Koivinen is going to have a big tourney. We've talked about that plenty. Um, Alexander Passion, another guy that has upside to do a lot, even though that was maybe a little bit of a risky pick. 
And then Moro and Nystrom on the back end. I like both those players a lot. I think they can both rack up some points here. So uh, I'm excited to see how this works out. Should be fun. All right. So that's our draft. I think that's about all we have for you, Matt, unless you want to add anything. Um, I do want to take a second and just say happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. And uh, reiterate once again just how grateful we are that we have you guys, all the support we've gotten over what is closing in on the first year of the tracking the storm podcast existence. Uh, that's a few weeks from now. We've mentioned before, we've got some big plans coming up for you guys, but uh, yeah. Happy holidays to everybody. Hope it's a great one. Enjoy your time with your family. Hope you do get to spend some. I know it's such a crazy time with all the sicknesses and stuff going on, but uh, yeah. We want to thank you for tuning in this week. Big shout out again to Wade Minter for coming on the podcast. Speaking of Wade, you know, I think somebody scored while we were, recording we might we might need to have wade uh say something it's a great time to be a carolina hurricanes fan